Welcome, everybody. It's been a while since I last posted anything on the podcast, but uh, we're deciding to start a little bit of a new segment. This is going to be a bit different from how the podcast was previously structured in terms of bringing in different guests and talking about different things. Um, This is going to be a much more of a, I guess, consistent posting that I'm going to do. So obviously, you guys already know who I am. But my friend Brady here, I'm going to let him give a quick introduction before I go into what is this new segment going to be about. Hey guys, I'm Brady. I'm a incoming fourth year student at the University of Toronto. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on this podcast with Johnny. What do you study? Oh, I'm studying neuroscience, physiology for majoring. And then I'm also minoring in biology. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Brady and I play a lot of basketball together, Um, University of Toronto, we were always hooping together. So uh, we both decided to come together to do this little thing. So essentially what this is going to look like is we're trying to structure it as like a news sort of segment thing. Is that you describe it? Like a news segment? Yeah, I would say like, you know, like these days on CBC or like all these CNN news posts, like these aren't really like dedicated to like university students like us. And we're just basically trying to break it down into like words and like sentences and like ideas that, you know, every university student can understand. Yeah, because, um, you know, we feel like with a lot of the stuff going on in the world right now, it's worth to bring stuff up like this just for discussion. You know, the fact that people are talking about it is healthy. It's good for everyone. So the way that we decided to structure it is into essentially three major parts. So one section, we're going to try to talk about politics and what's going on globally in terms of news and whatnot. Um, The middle section, we're going to talk about business news, finance. This is all of your stocks and big time company moves. We're going to try to track it within like a week or so, but depending on uh, the editing times and how long it takes, it might be a little bit behind, but we're going to try to cover those two main segments. And then the third section, uh, either we have that as a dedicated section or we're going to throw in these questions throughout the politics and the business side of things, which is more like, uh, I don't want to say controversial Mm -hmm. because we're not trying to be controversial, but these are kind of like debate topics or uh, questions that make you think about stuff. You know what I mean? Um, Is there anything you want to add to that? Yeah, and obviously this is only like podcasts for fun only. This is not for something that you should be really thinking about or using this as reference to even write your like university paper oh <laughs> yeah no 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 please don't please don't like this this is like for us it's fun yeah because brady and i like when we're just chilling we have debates about you know random stuff going on in the world all the time yeah. so we just feel like we want to put some structure to it we want to include you guys as an audience it's it's fun to kind of interact with other people when we talk about cool stuff like this but you know at the end of the day i'm 21 brady's 22 we're young naive we probably understand that you know university students so we're probably going to say some dumb stuff in the episodes and please feel free to cuss us out whenever we do say some stupid stuff but before you know we record an episode we always try to do our best to do some research Um, we're not here to just regurgitate facts but we want to make sure that any sort of opinion or thing that we say is backed up by some sort of research Um, so please don't take anything to heart a lot of this is just our opinion yeah. Right? Is that what we, we yeah. can say that? Um, anything else you want to throw into the introduction? Mm, no, let's just get this episode started. Okay, sounds good. All right. So, to start things off, you know, the first thing I want to put up is obviously COVID, everyone is being affected by it right now. But uh, Trudeau has reserved COVID 19 vaccines for Canadians. Yeah. I don't know. How, do you know how many he actually reserved? He, 
around the news, there's like speculations around like 23, 33 million vaccines that's being uh, reserved. But however, like right now, we still don't know which company is producing the vaccine and also which stage the vaccine is even on. Because right now, everyone's saying there's going to be, there's vaccines on stage two, there's vaccines on stage three. But we still don't know when a vaccine will be readily for the public yet to this date. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of controversy around vaccines, right? Some people don't want to, some people don't want to get it. Some people mm -hmm. want to get it. Uh, so we were thinking about things like, let's say Justin Trudeau decided to make it mandatory. Mm -hmm. What do you think that would happen if that was the case? Like that'd be pretty messed up. Well, should, should you, should a country like as democratic as Canada or US make it a mandatory thing to have vaccine, to get vaccined? Or is it kind of like, or is it this type of vaccine, kind of like smallpox vaccine? Because smallpox vaccine, I, I, I think it is mandatory. Was when, it mandatory? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Because to be honest, I don't see an end to this COVID situation unless there's a vaccine. Really? Or, or like, unless like everyone, okay, either it's a vaccine or somehow it just dies off. Like COVID just dies off. Like SARS, like SARS in 2006, I think. Yeah, but yeah. but SARS SARS died off because um, it was like more lethal. Yeah, was it? It was yeah. more lethal. So like, if yeah. you get it, you you would die. But the thing with COVID that's scary is like, you could have it and mm. you could be asymptomatic, walk around, yeah, and spread yeah. it to fifteen other people. Yeah, that's right. True. No one knows. So um, in my in my opinion, I feel like I don't see an end to this COVID uh, pandemic, or or at least you know have peace of mind when you go out in public spaces. Um, unless you see that everyone has been vaccinated, um, because I don't think widespread testing consistently is a long-term solution. But even if there is a vaccine, is the pandemic over? Because just true. because there is a vaccine, does that mean everyone's going to take it? The pandemic is not going to be over unless everyone is like, there's herd immunity, right? That's true. Yeah. I know, uh, I know Germany has done pretty well for themselves mm -hmm. in terms of bouncing back mm -hmm. and there have been a few uh news reports that i've read about because uh, people always talk about well what does the future of work look like mm -hmm. in a post-covid environment are more people trying to work from home or more people want to go back to the office and so people have been you know taking examples from germany where they've kind of already made it back to that stage um and i think it's like more people are working from home where there's very very flexible work schedules so either way, a post-COVID life is going to be very interesting. To well, Taiwan is also doing a good job too, right? And <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 Taiwan. Yeah, um, they're already there. I I seen they they're starting to like rave. They're starting to like have like these like basketball tournaments. That's all the news I've been reading, and everyone's going back to work as usual. Same with China. I think China is going back. It's just everyone's wearing masks these days outside. So yeah. when like for countries like when you're living in Taiwan, right? And you're not affected by the vaccine that much already, affected by the virus that much already. Mm -hmm. Why do, why should you take the vaccine? Is there even a reason for you to take the vaccine? If you just purely, you tell yourself, oh, Taiwan is no problem right now, even without the vaccine. And I'm not going to leave Taiwan anytime soon. I, I don't want to travel the world. I just want to stay here and have a peaceful life. So why should I take it? Why should like WHO or even my country make it mandatory for me to take a vaccine? Okay, I, I'm not. I don't know how to answer that question, <laughs> but but 
I don't think man I don't think man mandating or whatever the word is I don't think making vaccines mandatory is going to be a smart solution to the problem because you can't even we can't even mandate people to wear masks mm -hmm. like that's a problem like mm -hmm. people are like have controversies around mask wearing and they're not even willing to wear masks how are you going to get people to line up to inject something in your arm and people are like oh the government is injecting gps tracking services into my arm i'm like if that's your biggest concern then why are you carrying around a phone because mm -hmm. your your phone and you hold it with you everywhere is literally a gps tracking service you know what i mean so there's always these controversies if we can't even mandate mask wearing i don't think we can mandate vaccines nor do i think that is a ethical approach okay so let's bring it back onto the personal yeah. level so if you were given a choice of having this vaccine would you take it I would take the clinically proven safe vaccine. I, if I was in Russia, I would not be taking the <laughs> Vladimir Putin, my daughter took it and she's fine vaccine. But if it was clinically proven, I would take it. But just because it's clinically proven, you know this is only for short term too, right? Like, it is. There's not going to be long term studies about this vaccine before it's, before it's like released to the public. Okay, so what are you saying? So what if it's like, I'm saying hypothetically, 10 to five, uh, five to 10 years down the line, you're gonna start like, you know, developing brain tumors because of this. Okay, I need to see some more scientific literature, but that is, <laughs> this is what we call fear mongering. Okay, we're, we're not out here fear mongering people. We just need to see like, what is the best thing we can do to, okay. bro, 15, <laughs> is that a thing with vaccines? I don't think so. Well, no, so like long-term effects. No, so vaccines is like, you know, we can be diseases that injects into your body. So there's two types of vaccines. There's active vaccine and there's passive vaccine, active vaccine. Uh, wait, I need to, I need to confirm this. Yeah, that's not active vaccine is when you inject weak, uh, weak cells of this virus into your body. While passive vaccine just gives you an antibody for your body to reproduce. However, anti, uh, passive vaccine is not for long term because the fact, uh, because the anti antibiotics antibodies will die within your body in mm. the threshold, right? That's why you have a fever. That's why you have a flu every single every single year because the antibodies in your system does not last that long. Right, but there also has been uh, like scary stories in terms of vaccines i think it was smallpox who because it was turned into a virus uh, because it was turned into a vaccine mm -hmm. and they started injecting in people i believe the vaccine was one that caused smallpox to mutate into a different strain mm -hmm. have you heard that story before well that one so smallpox about? what happened is that your smallpox vaccines were developed to treat chickenpox right yeah chickenpox is a deadly disease back in the, back in the day in the history and people discovered that once you're you, once you got smallpox, once you're immune to smallpox, you're also immune to chickenpox. Mm. That's why, and smallpox doesn't kill you. So that's why people started injecting weak, like smallpox uh, bacteria and viruses that into your body. So your body develops smallpox um, immunity and thus giving you chickenpox immunity as well. Right. Okay. Should we move on from vaccines yeah. now? Okay. I, I think, uh, you know, for people out there listening, stay safe. Do your social distancing. Uh, people might be like, well, you and Brady are in social distancing right now. <laughs> but, you know, Brady is part of like a small group of people that I hang out with consistently. We're not out eating at restaurants and partying and stuff. So, um, 
we're we're in a safe like similar bubble i guess mm. together uh, but yeah stay safe in covid and make sure you guys uh, keep educating yourselves on the different types of vaccines vaccine developments around the world uh, because that obviously is going to play a large part in not only your personal future but also the economy of the world okay the next topic if you are living in bc right now i'm assuming most of my or even anywhere in the west coast of like is, canada right? okay yeah yeah if you're in the west coast of canada let alone in the u.s yeah. you'll have noticed outside right now like today i was driving to brady's house and it's just super smoky and foggy yeah, smogs yeah and and that is obviously coming from the wildfires i think it's in california yeah. and oregon and, and in portland mm-hmm. right um so that is some that is some scary stuff uh so I believe since I last checked, um, the wildfires have killed 14 people across Canada, Oregon and Washington state, and more than 3 million acres have been burned, which is 20 times greater than this point last year. So if you were in BC or also West coast of Canada, the U S, um, you'll have noticed last year in the summer. I don't know if you were back here in the summer last year, last year, or even it was like two years ago. Um, but it feels like every summer there's always some sort of fire. Oh, yeah. Like Kelowna. two years ago, I remember there was a Kelowna fire. Yeah, yeah there was like a big fire. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's it's getting crazy, and you know, thousands of people are getting evacuated. The smoke looks absolutely insane. I'm sure you guys have seen the pictures of the orange skies that looks like the apocalypse. Um, it's scary stuff. Yeah, and right? do you know what's crazy about this? So I read this somewhere. I don't know how true this is that this fire, this actual, this great forest fire that's happening in like all the West Coast of California and Canada is started by a gender review party. Okay. What do you, what's your take on this? That's just a freak accident. I don't really have a a take on it. I mean, like it's, it's just unfortunate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we shouldn't be in this, in this position. Now, what I will say is you know, some people have been using this as a channel to say, hey, we have to really start worrying about our climate, mm-hmm. which to an extent, I'm, I'm partially, ag- I partially am for that, but I'm also partially against that because mm-hmm. I'm for it because, you know, climate change is a serious problem. And if you guys know me, one of my biggest personal interests and passions is in clean tech, clean energy and developing some sort of environmental sustainability for our society. Right. But at the same time, it's almost a level of fear mongering, I feel like. In what way? Because like you just have these people that are saying, hey, this is because of global warming and this is going to cause, you know, the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But sure, that produces like some sort of attention and somewhat of a panic amongst people reading it. But it just makes it susceptible to what I believe we see on Instagram nowadays is like rapid rate opinionism. You know what I mean? Like people have an opinion. And they just start sharing it on Instagram. And it's like a, it is awareness, but I don't like this form of like panic because it doesn't really cause any serious development in terms of technologies that can better us from an environmental standpoint. Okay, so what do you suggest? What do you suggest in some of those fear mongering like thing, you know, Instagram or social media? What do you suggest that everyone else do? I suggest that the media starts sharing more like facts. So like, uh, what, how did the, how did the climate in California change in terms of like humidity levels? How dry was it? Was there a temperature increase over how many years? Uh, share things like, you know, what are the main causes of global warming? Because people think like, this is actually another interesting one. I, I want to get your take on it as well. But like people are talking about how, uh, you know, with COVID, 
skies have begun to clear in like India yeah. or whatever, right? They're like, look how look how good you know our planet has been given this COVID shutdown, and you know we're driving less, we're flying less, we're traveling less in right. general, let alone uh, rural Caribbean. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, and that's good. I'm not arguing about that. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, it's actually pretty sad because if you think about how much of an economic toll COVID has had on us, stock damage, people dying, the economy is at a terrible, terrible state right now. How many jobs have been lost? And all of that, just for a slight decrease in carbon emissions is pretty sad. But that's a misconception that people have is like, hey, if I consume less, I drive less, I don't fly as often, that's gonna contribute significantly to this climate challenge. Obviously, you're, you're playing somewhat of a part in it, but people don't forget that 25% of emissions come from meat farming. You know that, right? Like mm-hmm. cow farming, the methane mm-hmm. being released when you farm animals, especially cows. Yeah. 25% is coming from industrial uh, production. So like when you create steel um, and you create concrete and all these, uh, all these like industrial uses for building products, like that costs a lot of, that emit, emits a lot of carbon. Okay. People don't know that. Um, and obviously there's the energy space where it's like, well, let's shift away from fossil fuels. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting to, to see that, uh, with, with California and everything going on. I kind of got off topic there, but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, that's, I think we beat that one pretty yeah. dead wildfires in California. Yeah. Okay. The next one, what's going on in Belarus? You want to take this one? What is going on? I actually don't know what is going on. It, it, this is this is a this is actually thing. a very interesting thing when it you is. were talking to me about that yesterday, and I was like, "Whoa, I need to read more into this." Actually, yeah. So in in Belarus, uh, President Alexander Lukashenko mm-hmm. is accused of fixing the voting to stay in power in the most recent presidential election. Okay. And so nobody so far has stepped in in terms of I guess righting this wrong. There, I, I don't know if you guys have heard. There's been like massive riots and protests in Belarus because of this. Um, but something pretty shocking and crazy. So two opposition politicians have been messed with, right? So one was almost deported to Ukraine and another one, Maxim Zanak, was seen being detained by masked men. Like literally masked men pulled up to this, I believe it was a guy, Maxim Zanak. I, I don't remember. I think it's a guy. Okay. I'm going to say guy. Okay. Uh, and they just pulled up on him and masked and shoved him into a van and they were going to try to deport him or something. And then while he was there, he ripped up his passport. So he they couldn't send him anywhere legally, I guess. Um, but that is messed up. No, that sounds... They're fixing yeah. a presidential election. Alexander Lukashenko should not be the president right now. And there he is still sitting in power and nothing is being done about that. What do you think about that? So if you were to put it in perspective of like some... Like how we see it like in Canada or US... In a democratic country, what would this like be the equivalent of? It would just be like I don't know if, if Justin Trudeau deported Jagmeet Singh, and uh, and just jailed uh, Andrew Scheer, even though Andrew Scheer won the presidential election, something like that. Oh, so just clear. So Alexander lost, and then he's still saying, still saying power. Well, on the record, officially he won, but they said he fixed the voting ballot. But is that, is that a controversial topic or is that just like, it's fact check? I think that's fact check. Really? I read this from The Economist. Okay. Yeah. So that that's messed up. But like, 
if I like if if you were a citizen in Belarus, mm-hmm. what what would be going through your head right now? Like, what would you be trying to do? I don't even know what I would do in that position. Actually, that is that is pretty messed up. Like, it's kind of like well, especially Belarus is pretty close to uh, Russia, and they're like similar, like I would say, like governmental like status. And yep. Putin does a lot of like issues and a lot of like. He, he he says a lot with Belarus, right? Like, he, he takes care of Belarus, and like he also, like, that type of stuff. Um, he Wasn't he also... His his opposition was also intoxicated. Well, it wasn't intoxicated. Yeah, he was poisoned. Yeah, poisoned. yeah he was poisoned. <laughs> By military-grade poison. Yeah. yeah. And we haven't... We, we didn't talk about that. Um, yeah. And also, there's something... Something actually happening in the U.S. too, isn't... President Trump actually came out with saying that it's okay to vote twice. Yeah, it's, it, it was on the, that. it was on the news today. He and then all his like supporters were defending him. He was like, "Oh, he, this was taken out of context." But he was saying that like, I, I'll, I'll pull up the audio. Actually, hmm, I don't think we should. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. because personally for me, like I haven't done the research on american presidential yeah, election yeah, yeah, yeah. i know that's a very sensitive topic so yeah. maybe we can talk about it next week when yeah. brady and i have done some more research and we can give valid opinions on that um but definitely uh some interesting stuff going on right now in across the world not let alone in canada and the u.s okay this next one is a bit of a joke topic <laughs> but it is serious and i will let brady explain the situation okay well so for this one a usc prof was suspended for saying the Chinese word that sounds like the, the N word. Yes, yeah. without the hard R. Yeah, yeah. the N word with the A. But there is, there is some like Chinese words that's like similar. So what's your hot take on this? What should people be reprimanded, or should people get in trouble for saying something that sounds like in another language a bad word, but is not in their language? Absolutely not. <laughs> that is just pure blasphemy. Like that, I feel like that is social justice warriors at the epitome of, of oversensitive social justice warriors right now. Just looking for something to attack. You know, actually, I have a funny story to share of all this topic. In, in elementary school, I think this was in grade five, we we're supposed to make up an island and like create an island ourselves for English class. And at, as a name, I wrote my initial and I think my crush's initial. And my parents was called to my school because the teacher thought I'd put like words that was inappropriate. What what was the word? Well, he, I my initial was BL, right? Okay. And he she thought I was trying to like just say all the inappropriate words like bitch, like <laughs> what yeah. the? Yeah, I like I don't know. Like this is just ridiculous. Like, I think this is like. Like, you're trying to stir up shit at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, this honestly makes me laugh more than it makes me, yeah. like, feel, feel sad. But it's like, I, I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and he was talking with, um, I believe it was Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Harris or Jesse Itzler, one of the other two. I don't remember which one. But he was basically talking about how, like, one of his buddies um, was, you know, in a boardroom for some, like, Netflix filming show. Okay. And he was trying to tell everyone like hey we have to be sensitive around the r word like retarded okay okay because obviously like it's not right to say that word um but he was telling everyone like hey we have to be careful and not say the r word when we're filming this because saying the r word 
in current climates and situations right now is similar to saying the n-word and he actually said the n-word not with a hard r just like okay. he just said the n-word he and he used it in the context saying we should not be using these words and then he got fired for saying the words yeah i don't know like like i was like yeah. bro it's it's getting a little out of hand right yeah. now all right, moving on to business and finances. We're going to talk about a little bit of stocks and what we think is a good buy and what we think is not a good buy right now. But again, we're not Jim Cramer. We're not Warren Buffett. If you lose a shit ton of money during stock options or even trying to buy Tesla and Apple and praising that it's going to go to 7K, do not blame it on us. So use your judgment still while listening to our podcast here. So starting off... <coughs> Is stock market in a bubble right now with the tech companies like Tesla and Apple and Microsoft? So Tesla and Apple both just had a stock split. One for Apple did a one one in four, Tesla did a one in five, both making it around like a hundred dollars ish uh, price pool, price. So what does a stock split even mean at this stage? You want to explain that? Okay, sure. A stock split is basically is not increasing or decreasing, inflating or deflating any like money. Is just a piece of pie. Before it can only sell it, sell it to you as one giant whole piece, right? Think of it as like a pie, and you're only you can only sell this pie in a one giant hole before. But this time, when they cut it into four or five pieces, and you can buy a whole piece still, or you can buy it individually, like one piece, two piece, three piece, four piece. So. It does not over-evaluate nor under-evaluate a company. It only makes the company have more, um, what's it called? Volume. More shares, yeah. yeah. So more nothing money. changes from a value standpoint. Yeah. Um, and the reason why companies like to do this typically is so that they can get a wider range or wider diverse group of investors buying mm -hmm. their stocks. Mm -hmm. um, Berkshire Hathaway is a famous example that never ever did a stock split, which is why one stock of Berkshire Hathaway which is Warren Buffett's company, is around like 220K for one share because they've never done a stock split. Mm -hmm. I think this is in history Apple's third or fourth stock split and also Tesla's first stock split. Yeah. So I don't know, I've you know seen in you know on, on social media, Instagram, people are like, oh, it's time to buy and sell Apple stock because they decided to do a stock split. Mm -hmm. But a stock split really doesn't mean anything from a, a value standpoint. Mm -hmm. It's just... At the end of the day, I think Apple is still going to be a $1 trillion company just because after a stock split, it's not going to jump to $2 trillion, right? It, it took them from like a no one to $1 trillion company up until today for, for this amount of time. Just because there's one stock split doesn't mean it's going to go double its value. Yeah. Right. Uh, did you want to talk more about the Tesla stock? Oh, yeah. So Tesla, as you guys may have heard on the news, that it went up, I think... 40% right before stock split during this one week where Elon Musk said that he's going to buy Tesla shares and use that margin, use that uh, profit to boost SpaceX explorations. And Tesla stock just went up 10%, 10%, 10% every day of the week. Even after the stock split, the day after the stock split, it, Tesla went up by 13% actually. But the day after that, Tesla dropped historic high 20%. Of their stock split and it's slowly climbing up again right now so do you think tesla is in a bubble and what 
Like, what's the definition of a bubble? Honestly, I personally, I don't invest in Tesla. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have a big understanding of, of Tesla. And I don't really follow the company too closely. The only really information I get is from any sort of like highlight news that I see on CNBC or something on Instagram or Elon Musk tweets something, you know, whack on Twitter. Not whack. Don't get me wrong. Elon Musk is one of the most entertaining CEOs, I think, in history of CEOs. I think he's smart. I think he's smart about tweeting these things. Yeah, you could yeah. say that. Yeah, it's just entertaining following his Twitter page. Mm -hmm. um, but to be honest, like I, I really don't have enough information to really, I think, add any value to this Tesla stock so I discussion. Think, so I think Tesla stocks is like every, the whole market is going through market correction right now, which is like everything is dropping. <clears throat> Tesla, I think, is a stock that's gonna not go up nor go down. But I like I'm not no profit. So, to me, Tesla stock at the end of the day, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, Tesla is still an automobile company, and evaluating an automobile company at twenty five hundred dollars per share is just a little bit too much for me. So, did you sell your Tesla stock? Yeah, I sold it after the split. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, Brady and I have very different yeah investing. Uh, strategies principles values i guess because in my investing career so i started investing when my tfsa first opened up in canada so uh, tfsa for non-canadians is a tax-free savings account i believe it's the same i think it's called a roth something roth ira in the states basically it's a tax-free savings account any profit you make off of your investments through this account you can't get taxed by the government so when I started investing since 18 years old, I believe that's when the first contribution limit opened up for a TFSA. Ever since that, and I've been maxing out my TFSA every year and also doing a little bit more when I have extra money, I have never sold a stock in the three years since I've been investing. Um, but personally, that's just my preference. And that's going to be something we're going to talk about later in terms of uh, the illusion of stock picking skill. I think that's an interesting debate mm -hmm. that we can have. But personally, I haven't ever sold stocks uh, because I believe I'm pretty poor at assessing uh, when a stock is a winner or when a stock is a loser. So my principle is to, it, it's pretty much like the Warren Buffett's principle, right? Like value investing. Like I only invest in things that I somewhat understand. Like I, I don't really like to hop on trends. So like Brady and I like joke about like, you know, Neo stock and all this, all this random stuff like Neo. Mm -hmm. I don't need like Neo is like what? A, a growing electric car company in china yeah. that has started to pick up some steam mm -hmm. for me that's not my investing style i wouldn't really go for a company like that mm -hmm. in times like covid when companies are you know i feel like companies are becoming undervalued given the current situation i tend to pick companies that i feel like aren't just benefiting from covid so so i would i in, in the investments that I've made during COVID have been things that I feel like are stationary stocks that are always going to be valuable no matter what. So these would be like financial institutions, uh, insurance companies, Apple and Disney were some of the investments I made when they were down, like back in, in March or April. Um, because I feel like regardless of COVID, these are growing companies that can withstand this little, you know, strong headwind and keep going up. Um, that's, that's just my personal preference. Um, but it's different for everyone else. And obviously the number rule of number one rule of investing is don't lose money. Uh, but I think the second, according to Warren Buffett, 
But the second rule of investing, I feel like is never listen to anyone else. Do your own research because no one cares as much about your own money as yourself. So do your own research about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Apple stocks now. Okay. Do you think Apple stock is a goodbye now? Honestly, I have not been keeping up with Apple stock that okay. closely. I'll update you on what I heard on the news then. Okay. So everyone should know that there's this big event, Apple event, that's coming up September 15th. And they're going to be introducing the iPhone 12. They're going to be introducing... This is all speculation, right? Because like, these are all just rumors. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to like... I, I don't have insider information. iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro, new Apple Watch, a new Apple like tracking device. So have you guys heard of like tiles? So the thing that you keep it on your keychain or you keep it on your like phone so you don't lose it. And once you do lose it, like you put it in your wallet, you lose your wallet, you know where it is. It's tracked by GPS. And you can play a sound on it. I personally have it because I lose my keys a lot back in Toronto. So I have one for my keys. But Apple is apparently coming out with one of those. And there's speculation that's going to be a new AirPod or AirPod Pro that's also going to be coming out. So for iPhone 12, there's a speculation that LiDAR is going to be included. LiDAR is basically like a new technology that can sense like distance with their camera. So I think... Tesla cars have this. That's mm -hmm. why they can like do like um, auto drive stuff. It's really good for like augmented reality mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Like the iPad has, I believe the iPad yeah, Pro I've, already I've has LiDAR. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is why it's so expensive for some people. So I think Apple stock is a good buy right now, especially because as you guys may know that Apple has just announced or not just announced, they announced that they're going to be working on their own computer chip. So right now, mm -hmm. if, you, if you look at our uh, MacBooks right now, we're both using Intel chips, right? And Intel chips are not traditionally compatible with Apple devices. And Intel chip is like known to overheat. That's why App MacBooks are, has been known to overheat. Yeah, mine's like, overheating right now. Yeah, it's due to the Intel chip. Well, obviously it's like a, a series of factors, but with something like sophisticated as a MacBook, I have my MacBook for like five to six years now and it works perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I can't say about any other Mac, uh, any other computer or laptop that can sustain, to have the, this like aging process as a MacBook. Yeah, I think it also depends on use though. That's this true. is like my third MacBook that I've had. Okay. But, I, okay, that's a, that's a poor example because the last one I had, I spilled water on it. So it got pretty messed up. So I guess it doesn't really speak to performance. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, so I think MacBook is like, it's elegantly designed. It is. Yeah, right? It is. It's so simple. It's so smooth. It's like, you touch it and it's so like, it's not like pl cheap plastic. It's like made out of metal too, right? I, I think like Apple just has this. Did it just stop recording? I think of that so. sound? Yeah. Whatever. Um, I, I think Apple just has this like innate ability to suck people into their product ecosystem like it starts okay. it starts off with okay you buy their macbook because they have a cool student discount deal you know yeah. when it's back to school time yeah, so you, you buy you buy a mac you buy yeah. a macbook air they've got different products catering with different price points and you know my story was started out with a with a macbook air mm -hmm. and then because of all the ecosystem features your iclouds your airdrops um iMessages iMessages yep uh, and even some cool things right now, like if I, I don't have my phone on me right now, but if I'm on my iPhone and it's the same Apple ID, 
whatever I'm looking through on my iPhone in terms mm -hmm. of like a, a Safari tab mm -hmm. will show up on my laptop. Mm -hmm. And I can- Handoff, it's called yeah, a handoff. Handoff, yeah. and that's through iCloud. Mm -hmm. And so like every single product is just so beautifully integrated mm -hmm. in every single thing that Apple releases. Mm -hmm. But obviously I feel like, you know, it's either you love Apple or you hate Apple or you're, or you're a Microsoft or Android kind of person. Because for me, I slowly got sucked into the ecosystem. I use an iPhone, I have AirPods, I use a MacBook Pro, I got an Apple Watch, which I, if you would ask me a year ago, I would have never ever spent money buying an Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. But it's just the integration is so nice. I love the design me, of it. I love my Apple Watch too. But when I when my friends ask me, oh, do you like your Apple Watch? What do you use your Apple Watch for? Yeah. Like if you really think about it, it's just notification on your wrist. Right? I use it for clout. <laughs> Not like you can change you know the watch face you go and meet people you know you shake their hand you slap on a nice crispy looking apple watch okay so you're still talking about clout i no okay imagine someone calls your phone your hands are full you can't reach into your pocket to grab it what do you do pick it up on your apple watch <laughs> that's elite right? anyways backtrack to um the apple's own designing his own or their own chip so right now they're using intel they're saying they're, the next MacBook gen, generation is going to go to their own um, computer chip, CPU chip, which is going to make MacBooks a lot more faster, a lot more better, and a lot more like cheaper to produce because this is all mm -hmm. going to be in-house, right? So I think Apple stock is looking up. It's gonna, uh, Apple has never like... Like Tim Cook is just such a good CEO right now. And also Steve Jobs did a great job with the company. So Apple stock, I would say is a good buy. Yeah. Plus I feel like you can't really go wrong with any sort of blue chip stocks right. like Apple, right? right. right. Um, if you are new to the investment game, you can really not go wrong with a stock like Apple or, mm -hmm. or you know blue chip stocks like that. But speaking of Apple ecosystem, the only mm -hmm. thing I'm worried about Apple stock is their ongoing battle with Upwork Games. Have you heard about that? Okay, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about that. You want to give some more background information? Yeah. So, that? Epic Games has filed a lawsuit against Apple because Apple has taken Fortnite, which is a super like boring game to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a League of Legends player. <laughs> has taken Fortnite off of his um, the App Store because they saying they're saying that Epic Games did not follow the tradition or did not follow the protocols of apple's ecosystem so apple was supposed to get 30 percent of all revenue purchased on their ecosystem in-game in app yeah. purchases yeah and epic game wasn't giving it to apple so apple was like okay well you guys are not obeying to the rules i'm just gonna take you off then and mm -hmm. there's this huge lawsuit going on right now so what do you think about this Personally, okay, so so Epic Games decided to blatantly ignore Apple's rules. Mm -hmm. They bypassed the 30% cut mm -hmm. from in-app purchases, and they were ready for it, right? As soon as Apple took their game off the App Store, immediately they filed a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And this was something that they knew they were going into it, right? And so Epic Games is going the route on saying, okay, well, this is not fair. Yeah. Apple's developing a monopoly. It's not fair for developers, uh, for game creators. Um, we need, you know, more power in this app store environment, yep. which, you know, I guess kind of makes sense from a standpoint, but I don't think the clear route to go with it is just blatantly expose. So who like, do you side with on here, Apple or Apple games? Well, the thing is like Apple came out yesterday and said that they're going to renegotiate that 30% cut with everyone or just with like Apple with games? all, with all apps. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, like I think Apple said in, in one of the filings is that although Epic Games portrays itself as a modern corporate Robin Hood, in reality, it is a multi-billion dollar enterprise that simply wants to pay nothing for the tremendous value it derives from the App Store. So I believe there was private talks between Epic Games and Apple in order to negotiate some sort of special discount rate and then Apple declined it. So then Epic Games decided to do this. Now, there was also fear that instead of just removing Fortnite from the App Store, Apple potentially might ban all games that use the Epic or the Unreal Engine, mm -hmm. which is created by Epic Games that powers numerous apps on the App Store. And so that was obviously going to be a widespread thing. Apple didn't do that, which I think is a very, very smart move. If they would have banned every single, you know, Unreal Engine game, that would probably have created a lot of bad news in the media. Uh, but this is just, you know, an, an interesting thing that you see going on, um, especially since, like, I think it was a few months ago, you know, Apple CEO, Microsoft CEO, Google CEO, Amazon, all these guys had to sit in front of uh, congressmen and congresswomen and testify saying, you know, they're not dominating in a monopoly. So this is, I feel like, a reoccurring topic that always comes up, and I feel like Every so often, we always see some sort of accusation around these companies, you know, being a monopoly and not being fair to the other businesses out there. So to me, it's just another cycle iteration of what's going on. But I think, um, you know, just looking at industries as a whole, like the tech industry eventually is going to have to become regulated. Mm -hmm. Just like every other industry out there right now eventually there's going to be some regulations around tech and that is going to be interesting to see how it progresses is all i'm going to say about that okay well jumping on the sidetrack i'm going to bring up another stock to watch out for so we're, we're talking about Epic games we know that Epic game is backed by a chinese tech giant called tencent mm -hmm. and tencent basically owns every single thing that's tech technology evolved in china including wechat and the infamous TikTok. Okay. So and numerous media production companies, TV shows, movies, yeah, they exactly, do all that exactly. stuff. I'm it's just crazy. naming I'm just naming some that's like we're we're trying to bring up. Yeah. And Donald Trump actually came out a couple I think last month that says TikTok is data mining every user and their on their interface. Mm -hmm. And I am gonna ban TikTok in the US unless a US company buys it. Is this hot What's your hot take? I feel like I'm too young to understand what's going on here. Like in my head, I'm thinking, how does America have the right to do something like this? Like, so they, do you think in a way this is censorship? From who? From well, they're they're forcing to sell TikTok. They're banning they WeChat because they're saying we're I'm banning WeChat. I'm banning TikTok unless the U.S. government unless the U.S. like some uh, company buys it. But Tencent is not going to sell WeChat to a, an American company, right? Right. And on top of that, I read also that they're forcing Huawei out of the market, literally by hand. Really? Because on September 15th, Huawei is going to lose access to the chips that are fundamental to its business of making smartphones. So, and also cellular network infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, and this is because of American rule changes, right? So they're essentially forbidding companies that use American technology for making chips for Huawei. Mm -hmm. And you're essentially draining out their supply chain and they can't create the products that they used to create. And it's like, how can, how can US make this decision to just blatantly eliminate, you know, Huawei is obviously a massive company, yeah. Tencent, don't get me wrong, is also one of the most right. valued companies in the world. How can US just kick them out of the US market without any sort of real evidence behind, 
oh, they're stealing our, our data. And which is really scary because if USA can do this with like big blue chip companies like Huawei, that's like and Tencent, that's backed up like millions, billions and trillions of like Chinese dollars behind their company. What's gonna what's gonna happen with all the small companies? That's uh, small Chinese companies that's in the US, like NASDAQ, uh, New York index right now. Right? Yeah. So be careful of that. And there's a huge speculation that Microsoft is actually going to be buying TikTok. But recently, Walmart jumped into the race and Walmart saying, mm. oh, I want to buy TikTok as well. So I think these two, these two stocks are to watch. Yeah. I'm just going to throw in another here thing that America is also doing is that it might deny a semiconductor uh, manufacturing company, SMIC, uh, which I believe is also a Chinese company, mm -hmm. access to American technology for national security reasons. Mm -hmm. And just the notion of them even thinking of doing this caused them to drop 23% of their value. So it's like, that stuff is pretty crazy. So what do you think like is going to happen with this like huge China versus USA like powerhouse like fight? that's happening between these two yeah. countries. Well, this is something like you and I have talked about before as well, right? right? But I've been reading reports and stuff, and I think it's interesting because this is gonna force the hand of China because China is not just gonna sit around and be like, ah, oh, US screwed us, like, right. we're just gonna sit around and do nothing. Like, right. I think it's gonna be interesting to see how China takes things into their own hands and starts creating and accelerating their own growth. Because as soon as they stop depending on America, in terms of like the technology, uh, the, the the hardware and the software that American technology produces, that's gonna be an accelerated growth market in China in, in the next few years and they're gonna fully blossom. So I think that's gonna be very interesting to see how it works out in the mm -hmm. future. All right, um, um, I think, okay. yeah. Cool. All right, so let's let's move on to some debate topics. This is something that I've, that I've been thinking about uh, preparing, you know, to talk about in today's episode. But I've been recently reading a book called Thinking Fast and Slow uh, by, I, I believe, I think he won a Nobel Prize in economics, Daniel Can Kahneman or something like that. And he talks about in his book something very, very interesting, which is called The Illusion of Stock Picking Skill. Now, if you just Google The Illusion of Stock Picking Skill, you can read a little excerpt from the book that it talks exactly uh, what I'm talking about right now. But, it, but it's really interesting stuff because what he's essentially saying is that for the average investor, it's more about chance than it is about applied skill, which is obviously a hot take right now because then you're like, okay, what about the billion dollar you know, finance industry, the wealth advisors, the investment managers, like what are they doing? What are we paying them for? And that's exactly the case that Daniel Kahneman brings up in his excerpt of this book. Um, and the way he breaks it down is this. So you look about it in a stock market, right? So we're just talking about stocks. You have people in buying and selling stocks. And the reason why people are buying and selling stocks is because people have different perceptions of the value of those stocks. So I'm going to buy a stock that I believe is undervalued and I'm going to sell a stock that I believe is overvalued. In a perfect world where the prices of the stocks are perfectly set, there would no be buying or selling stocks, mm -hmm. right? Because nothing is overvalued, nothing is undervalued, mm -hmm. unless you buy them for I don't know, dividend purposes or whatnot. Um, so in a perfectly priced stock market, he said people would not be trading. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I've never really thought about it in that way. Um, and then he takes a look at actively managed uh, portfolios. So things like mutual funds that you, know, you pay a heavy, heavy commission fee onto for investment managers to 
basically buy and sell stocks in the portfolio to try to get the biggest increases. And so um, this is what he says, quoting it from the excerpt. Uh, the evidence for more than 50 years of research is conclusive. For a large majority of fund managers, the selections of stocks is more like rolling dice than like playing poker. Typically, at least two out of every three mutual funds underperform the overall market in any given year. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think is do you think the average investor depends more on chance or more on applied skill? Well, I think obviously a, a big part of stock market is depending on chance, right? And that's the beauty of a stock market because if you if a stock like you said, if a stock market is perfect, then there is nothing like you can't earn money nor can you lose money on mm-hmm. on this. But it's because that there's people that do extra research that do like more research and like can see like have other information that you don't that make it like interesting and that makes it like like if i sell the stock right now i don't know if it's going to be at the highest highest point or is it going to keep on going up right i think that's one reason why you don't sell stocks because you always think that like if i sell it now and it go up by another 10 percent tomorrow i'm gonna lose up on that 10 percent what what but the thing of what he was talking about in his book which is interesting mm-hmm. is that like everyone has this thought saying okay i'm gonna do the research i'm gonna understand this company so i can better judge which are the winners and which are losers and when i should sell these specific stocks but in a study that he showed is that um, if individual differences in any one year are due entirely to luck then the rankings of investors and funds will vary erratically and the year-to-year correlation will be zero but if there's skill the ranks are going to be much more stable over time right it's like let's say you me and four other buddies went to a casino and we gambled right okay. obviously gambling is purely statistical chance so it's yeah. based pr- pretty much luck if we go you know once every week if i don't know 12 weeks because it's a game of chance not a game of skill the rankings between how much money i earn from the casino versus you and the rest of our four buddies there's like, there's gonna be zero correlation between how how the rankings. Well, I think if you go long enough, it should be standardized, right? Or it should be even though. But it's gonna be erratic in terms of how the positions change. Oh yeah, I think it's erratic of how the positions change. But I think if you like say if I earn the most money t- today, right, and I get I'm number one on like how much money I earn. Yeah. I might not be number one next week. I might not be number one the next next week. And okay, I see. Like law law yeah. large numbers. Yes. Yeah. But that we might have to go like an infinite number of times for that to even get to that. Stage. Well, the more the the more times you go, the more the better the standardization is going to be. Right. That's true. That's true. But but what he's saying is that. In, in something like the stock market. Okay, so in, in a casino, the odds are usually like, I guess, fixed, mm-hmm. right? But in a stock market, the odds are not fixed. The odds are constantly fluctuating. So if there was some indication of skill, then the top investment, I guess, advising companies should, there should be some sort of correlation between the rankings of them, but there's zero correlation between them. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's an interesting statement. So, hmm. You know what I'm saying though? Yeah. So I read that and I was just like, well, that's quite a statement. I think that's a, that's a big statement to make that that's definitely going to have like a lot of people going like, Hmm, what does it, what does it actually mean? Yeah. So I think what, what he's saying is that that's the most interesting because he takes like a psychology approach to economics, right? 
And his thing is that humans are wired with cognitive biases all over the place. And one of the biggest things that we have is a misjudgment in terms of the value of a stock. So typically like more people sell their winners than they sell their losers because they have a hope saying, okay, my winner has already made me this much money. I'm going to sell it profit. And then my loser is going to eventually gain and get to make me, you know, profitability. But he's saying that humans have very, very bad cognitive biases when it comes to making those decisions of when to sell and when to buy, which is why when you take an investor that does multiple buy and sells, they typically do worse than an investor that just holds for a longer term and then sells or, or just holds stocks for a long but term. But I think that's, that's under illusion that stocks are always going to go up. And, uh, but that's not true. I don't know if it's under the illusion that stocks are always going to go up. I think it's under the illusion that if you constantly feel like I've done the research and I can beat the market and predict you know, undervalued versus overvalued stocks. But again, like that's my, that's my argument, right? Everyone has the same amount of information that everyone else's have. Cause that's, that's the beauty of stock market. You, everyone else has equal amount of information. All the information should be public record. That's why there's no like insider trading and insider trading is bad. Well, it's illegal. Yeah. 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 But I know the information might not, might all be there, but not everyone can process and analyze it to this, to the same degree. Right. So are you saying if you're an investment banker, if you're like a hedgeman like owner, like do you have better processing skills than everyday people? Well, like for sure. But what he what Daniel Kahneman is claiming is that there is not a big difference because it's mostly up to chance and it is to acquired skill. Because if you try to apply that acquired skill, you get to the point where you start reaching a cognitive bias, thinking that a specific stock is undervalued and overvalued. So when you consistently buy and sell to rebalance your portfolio, rebalance your mutual fund, you're actually causing more harm than if you were just to hold the same portfolio and stick with it over time. So do you agree with them or no? I think I would agree with Daniel. Daniel really? Yes. I think I would disagree with Daniel. But the thing is like he, his, this is based off of tests and like peer reviewed journals and articles from like distinguished professors on analysis of stocks. Like there was one analysis where he, one of his friends from, uh, he was like a professor at the University of, of Stanford, analyzed something like 10,000 investor accounts, hundreds of thousands of transactions in that account. And he basically did a simulation of if you just had a simulation, randomly pick some stocks to make a portfolio versus an actively managed portfolio stock, the difference is, is minute in the long-term profitability gain. Like it might be like a, a slight, I think it was like zero, I think it was like 30, uh, 35 percentage points or something like that mm -hmm. of an increase. But if you factor in like how much management fees you're going to pay and all this stuff like that, is it really worth it at the end of the day? So I just think it was a very interesting topic. Obviously he's talking about the average, right? So of course there's going to be your Warren Buffett's your whatever, right, right. but I think it's an interesting take. Yeah. That's go into Steve Nash. Let's talk about Steve Nash. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. You want to get break it down for people that are not big basketball followers. Yeah, so as you guys if you guys don't know that Brooklyn Nets is one of the up and coming like like favorites of the league because they just acquired Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and they just signed Steve Nash to be their head coach for next season. And 
Stephen A. Smith, which is a huge, huge influencer in the NBA, in the basketball scene, came on and said that Steve Nash was hired on white privilege. And let me just grab up the... I'm, I'm just going to pull up the quote yes. real quick. Please do. So, and the reason why he called... As you pull up the quote, yeah. the reason why he called it white privilege is because there are a lot of other, I guess, black coaches in the NBA that have a lot more experience than Steve Nash. And he's saying... Black people always have to struggle. You know, there's a lot of assistant coaches with years of experience that didn't get selected for the role. Why did Steve Nash get selected when he had zero experience in a coaching position and he's so early on in his, I guess, coaching career? Well, actually, he hasn't even started because he's never coached a team. Well, no, he coached. He was assistant coach of the Golden State Warriors. He, he, he worked out. Like no, he, he was did. like the technical trainer. Yeah. He wasn't like assistant coach. Oh, yeah. He was, but he was like participating in like, like yeah, he, he, he was knows. there. Yeah. yeah. But okay. there are some... Yeah, okay, go ahead. Read, yeah. the, read the quote. Let's, let's... So, on internet, right? On, like, Stephen A. Smith said, Ladies and gentlemen, there's no way around this. This is white privilege. This does not happen for a black man. And then Charles Barkley, which is also a huge influencer in the basketball scene, responded and fired back at Stephen A. Smith and said, When you have a responsibility, especially when you have to talk about something as serious as race, you can't be full of crap. So what's your take on this? Who's in the right? Is Stephen A speaking truth? Or is he spitting, spitting BS? I, it's so hard to give a solid answer to this because I'm a type of person that, that doesn't like to look at anecdotal situations and extrapolate that across a general state. I, I think that's a flaw in a lot of ways that people analyze things coming out of the news is they take one crazy horror story as an as an anecdotal source of evidence and extrapolate it saying this is what's happened to the majority of the population well my hot take is that Stephen a smith is just full of crap because yeah you could say that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean because yeah okay why why do you Steve, think he's full if of crap? Stephen a smith wants to come on this show i welcome him but he is full of crap with this topic because jj reddick which is an nba player mm. played for the new orleans pelicans actually had an interview with Kevin Durant recently and okay. asked that what Kevin Durant thought about Steve Nash becoming the new head coach. And Kevin Durant said, oh, well, I worked with Steve Nash before on the Golden State Warriors. And I thought, and it's always nice to have an ex-player, ex-pro player comes in the scene because they have so much more knowledge toward, to the game of basketball, right? The thing is, Stephen A. Smith is only making this one accusation because Steve Nash got was replacing a black coach would he come out and say this the same thing say that steve nash is underqualified say steve nash is not suited for a head coach if steve nash were to replace nick nurse for the toronto raptors head okay coach? i i don't think it has anything to do with with what race the previous head coach was though i think Stephen a smith is just mad that why did steve nash get the position when he has literally zero experience in coaching and there's coaches out there like Tyron Lue, Byron Scott, all these guys that have years of experience coaching that didn't even get a chance to... I don't know if they did get a chance or not, but they weren't selected for the position, is what he's saying. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with if the previous head coach was black, so white, Asian. What's wrong with giving a new, a young head coach with zero experience some experience? This is like, this is like well, our, job, our job like a market, right? I don't... I, you, go I don't into yeah. a, you go into a company for a rookie position, and, you're, and then the... And then the the company goes, oh yeah, you need at least 10 years of experience. No, you don't. Well, okay. 
I would have to disagree with that because a head coach position would be like. But me Steve and- Nash is not the first person to not have any experience to become a head coach. Jason Kidd did it. Steve Kerr did it. These are <laughs> so they're all white people. Then. <laughs> but these are all. These are all. So it's white. Fr- no, I'm kidding. Well, wait, no. wait, really? Is yeah. that okay. Jason Kidd was named head coach of Milwaukee Bucks? Remember? Yeah, I didn't know he had zero experience yeah. though. Well, like, I I don't know. It's it, it's so hard to come to a conclusive final conclusion statement when we don't have any quantitative figures to look at because something like white, like, how do you even measure white privilege? Right. How can you effectively say this is white privilege right. or it's not? Like, it's just his opinion at the end of the day. I think when when you're talking about things like this, right? When you're talking about like head coach abilities, you mm-hmm. have to j- look at if the head coach, you can't put race into this. You have to look at the abilities. Like, would you be tired? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, no, it, it's, it's, and it's even more, uh, I guess, like uh, interesting because the NBA is so supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. It's not like the NBA is a racist organization. They're by far the most supportive mm-hmm. of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? With everything they've done with the shirts, the the kneelings, the the turning the NBA arenas into voting centers. Like they're they're really listening to what their players want. So, but all I'm saying is that do you think it would have mattered if do you think Steve Nash is a problem or is it just Stephen A Smith is talking about something in general? Like if it's not Steve Nash, let's say it's another white person that got the job like brian scalabrini oh yeah <laughs> no i don't think he has anything i don't think Stephen a was saying anything about steve nash and his ability to coach i think he mm. was saying more like this is like if it was like a white coach he probably would have said that about any white coach uh it, it's not much of a hit on steve nash himself but if i was steve nash mm-hmm. and this you know milestone in my career gets covered by my white privilege mm-hmm. i would be pretty uh not mad but it'd just be like kind of annoying to deal with you know what i mean yeah but we also can't take interviews from like kevin durant and say oh this isn't this is like conclusive evidence because kevin durant worked with steve nash the past like what three years he was on golden state yeah so he's pretty biased okay on on the situation but i'm saying like when you're like the mvp candidate right you're also every time you go to the finals you're also the finals mvp yeah and you're considered one of the top five players not like maybe you're even considered like one of the best players in the league right now obviously if a team wants you like everyone wanted kevin durant mm-hmm. during this offseason right mm-hmm. and the net got him the nets got him if i were the gm i would ask him who i who do you want as a head coach why would i want why would you want to pick some head coach that kevin durant does not respect that's true and Kyrie also loves right? uh, Steve Nash as yeah. well because they also have a close relationship. And Kyrie and Katie have a great relationship yeah. as well. So I'm sure both of them played a factor into that. Yeah, I don't think it's white privilege. Yeah. This is just Nets GM being smart because even if he, fire, if he hires someone like, if he have the same coach as this year or if he hires someone else like Tyrone Liu, mm-hmm. they don't do a good job because they don't vibe, they don't bond with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And they end up getting fired again. And they're going to have to replace it. Then Stephen A. Smith is going to come out again and said, oh, this is white privilege again. Yeah, well, Tyron coached Kyrie on the Cavs, right? Yeah. I don't know what their relationship is like. But, yeah, that's um, an interesting an interesting discussion going on right now. 
All right, that is the end of our first episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed some of the topics that we've discussed. Again, we encourage a collaborative uh, discussion in the comment section. Um, this is also going to be released in a strictly audio format on anywhere that podcasts are available. If you guys want to connect with Brady and myself, all of our social media, our Instagram, Facebooks, our LinkedIn will be in the description below. You guys can check that out. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you guys enjoyed the content. And again, we appreciate all feedback on your comments um, and hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Yeah, thank you.